Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Ruminations of Red Rum. I'm your host, Kyle. The slick back Cadillac writes with a number two pencil, but is number one in everyone's hearts. With a It's weird when you say it. <laughs> oh, I know, but I had to. I like it so much. Brendan, Mr. Fantastic, how are you doing today? I am fantastic. I'm a few drinks in. I got a few drinks next to me tonight. I'm uh, I'm doing a little double feature. I'm starting in um, Mexico with a Pacifico, Ooh. and then I am traveling uh, straight on the border back to Mexico for a Corona. Those bottles are both open. <laughs> yes. I, did. I didn't want to bring a bottle opener and open it while we were recording. Now, do you plan on um, taking a sip of each one in, like as you go, or are you drinking one first before you dive into the other? No, I've, I've been alternating throughout the night. So started with a Pacifico, went to a Corona, back to a Pacifico, back to a Corona, and now I am back here. So we call Coronas Ronies, by the way. Yes. And between the two, which one do you prefer if you had to only have one? The Pacifico uh, or the Roni? Definitely Corona, but I feel like, man, Pacifico is so underrated. Like, uh, Modelo is great. I love me a good Modelo. I, I had a Modelo. few. I had so way too many last night. But Pacifico, sometimes, like, you just got to take a step back from the Modelos <laughs> and get yourself a uh, Pacifico. What about um, Dos Equis? That voice you hear is none other than the ghost of Ian, the paranormal one, the Phantom Menace, Ian, with two E's. How you doing? Um, well, I was doing fine up until the Jewish comments. Um, <laughs> Which one? Uh, where you said, uh, I look the most Jewish I've ever looked in my life. Um, um, I mean, it's not an insult, right? You're Jewish. I am, yeah, I am Jewish. <laughs> but you sound, you sound disappointed. <laughs> the hobgoblin comment was not necessary. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't said. Um, <laughs> I did not hear that. Just for that the record, never came out of But um, uh, <laughs> I definitely heard goblin. I am. Not and also not. with us here is J.K. Rowling. Um, J.K., <laughs> how are you doing? This? No. Um, Rex, uh, we haven't recorded an episode in a couple weeks now, so um, I'll just go ahead and, and say right now, uh, I've been playing Resident Evil 4. I won't get into it too much because I'm, we're going to be doing an episode on it very soon, crossover episode with Hoptimus from the Retro Future Culture podcast, so looking forward to that. We're also going to have um, the Guru of Goth on himself again, making his return um that should be a fun episode but uh i have a lot of things to say about resident evil 4 i'm gonna probably need the whole hour to discuss it on the podcast so but i will say it's very good ian what have you been up to oof lots to go over i'm gonna try to hit every single category really quick um manga wise i'm done with dorhidoro so i'm just going to catch up with all the current series that i have freren mao and kaiju number eight um, which are all absolutely fantastic um video games i played a 10 out of 10 now we're talking baby 
10 out of 10 game, uh, near replicant version, whatever on, uh, the PS4, which I played on my PS5, um, because I'm a part of that PS5 group, baby. Um, and it was, it's a masterpiece. Um, I love near automata or near automata, however you say it. Um, and the near games are just, they're fantastic. Um, I think Near Replicant makes my top five video games of all time. Um, the soundtrack, um, I don't think it's better than uh, Near Automata, um, but it is fantastic. Um, and it's a fantastic game, and I love it. Everything about it. I want to be in it all the way through, not in the middle. I would stop in the middle, honestly, because all the characters are great. Um, yeah. Fantastic game. I'm going to be playing that. So um, I, You're going to be playing the OG version, though. Well, I, I'm going to get to the remake, though, too. I'm going to play the OG, then I'm going to play Automata, and then Replicant. I hope it the fir- playing the first game doesn't hinder your experience playing the remake. That's kind of the mindset that I had and why I didn't play the original one. Do you think, like, why do you think it would hinder it, though? Because I don't know if he's like a uh, full-grown male throughout the whole story. Because there is like a time skip where he's uh, more of like a teenager. And then he goes to a young adult. So, I don't know if he's just an adult. If he's just a dude the whole time. Um, But, let me know. Definitely let me know. And then for movies, I watched... um, Obviously, watch John Wick. That was fantastic. Um, but the highlight, I would say, is the last hurrah for Chivalry, which is a, an early John Woo film. It is absolutely fantastic. Um, it's about brotherhood, honor, uh, uh, being deceived, and and realizing the the good things in life. And it's just a fantastic movie, and I love it. And that's it for me. Brennan, what do you have for us for this weekly, multiple weeks, Rex, for you? Um, You've been busy. You've been yeah, busy, I've, sir. I've been busy. So I'll, I'll, be, I'll be quicker than Ian. Uh, Platinum Far Cry 5. That was great. Mm, um, my favorite Far Cry. was not as hard of a grind as I thought it was going to be. I am now working on Sleeping Dogs, which is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. My second favorite um, game of all time. Uh, movie-wise, got to watch Malum. Uh, really, really good. I love Last Shift. I think that this is a perfect uh, reimagining of it. It takes the best things from Last Shift and tells a whole new story, Ian. Why don't you think it's better than Last Shift? I wouldn't say that it's not better. I think that they're, I think that they are both equally great for what they are. I like how Last Shift is more subtle, more ambiguous. It mm-hmm. lets you build the idea of the cult within your head. Whereas Malum is mainly the 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 two stories are uh Jessica who works at um uh she takes a uh, she becomes a police officer just like her father. Um you uh, at the very beginning we see her father uh kill some people and then kill himself. Um, so the story, the two storylines are her 
um, kind of navigating that trauma while working this last shift before this police station closes down for good. And it's the one that her father worked at. And then the story is half balanced out with the flock, which in the last shift, they didn't have a name in Malum. They're called the flock. So would you say it's, we get more of a background to the story in this? You get more of a background to a story and you get a more fulfilling, uh, climax it's a different climax from last shift mm-hmm. but in a similar way but again completely different um and i was really impressed with the direction they took out also if anyone's interested um i did interview uh lead jessica sula and writer director anthony de Blasi, um that's over at horror obsessive if you just if you it's one of the most recent articles there so you can check that out it was fun they were both really um fantastic people to speak with go check out brendan's work at horrorobsessive.com and if you don't then don't even listen to our podcast just unsubscribe if you don't (laughs) no well well, okay i'm kidding (laughs) i went a little too far guys sorry i went from like 5 to 11 really quick my bad i'll back it up i'll back it up today we're talking about the 2014 film creep directed by Patrick Bryce and produced by Mark Duplass and Brennan. Jason Blum Ooh. and Jason Blum. You, oh yeah. yeah. It's a Blum. I was going to get to that. It was picked oh, up. Oh, by. Sorry. Uh, sorry. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. It was picked up by Blumhouse uh, and then it inevitably got a Netflix deal as well. Um, Brennan shoot us with some info. All right. <clears throat> so, uh, Patrick Bryce is a California-raised filmmaker, his debut being today's film, Creep. Um, Bryce had kept his hand in the world of the macabre throughout, the, throughout his ongoing career, um, and, but it's mainly been a lot of horror-adjacent type things, um, one of them being the outlandishly weird film The Overnight, which I cannot recommend enough. It is fucking trippy. Um, and then is is lesser film that's on Netflix. I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's called uh, There's Someone Inside Your House. Now, uh, Bryce has had a tight career with the writer and lead of Creep, Mark Duplass, who, as Kyle said, was uh, one of the producers on this. Um, unlike Bryce, uh, Duplass has ping-ponged through the gambit of genres with films and shows like Jeff Who Lives at Home, which he uh, wrote and directed, The League, uh, The Lazarus Effect, and the... Uh, the uh, Ben Stiller film Greenberg um, and so much more. Uh, While Duplass has kind of cemented himself as a funny man, he really knows how to channel his inner demon. Next page. (laughs) Uh, Duplass would go on to create room 104 for HBO, which is an anthology TV show uh, that takes place in a single motel room um, at a motel on the side of a highway, and the show spans from comedy to horror to everything in between. It's a really cool show. Um, while his overwhelmingly authentic performance in Safety Not Guaranteed solidified him as a true actor, his improvisational performance in Creep solidifies him as a maestro of madness. Maestro of Madness. Once we have him on the podcast, that's could it be my name for him. <laughs> and the Maestro of Madness, Mark Duplass. Welcome to the show, Mark. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you, Brendan. I appreciate that. Now, the budget on this film was less than $500. They almost paid nothing for it. And uh, 
got picked up by Blumhouse and got a Netflix deal. That's everything that I've found regarding the budget. Um, and a few interviews also said um, per mark that the budget was next to nothing. So then this would technically be Blumhouse's cheapest film. Yeah, absolutely. Because before it, it was Paranormal Activity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So next to nothing to make the film. Um, let's get right into it. Where'd you watch it? Would you add it to your collection? And overall thoughts of the film? Brennan, we're going to shoot over you first. Oh, goodness. Um, I, as you guys might have picked up from my little intro, um, I, I love Mark Duplass, and I think uh, Patrick Bryce is uh, a phenomenal, um, especially when he does go into the more horror-adjacent things, like, again, that that film, The Overnight. I, I can't recommend it enough. It's so weird. Um, I've seen this movie at least 15 times. I watched it on Netflix. I, is there a physical release for it? Only on DVD. Oh, that's unfortunate. Um, it kind of makes sense for Netflix, though. So, yeah, I watched it on Netflix. It's just going back every time I watch it, I always just forget how different it is. Um, and especially when you... So actually, I, this is one thing I wanted to get your guys' mind on. You remember how, like, back when like Bruce Willis tried to go from from being in those '80s sitcoms to Die Hard, and no one took him seriously because he was only a comedic actor before then? I've never really like prescribed to that, but wh- every time I watch this, I'm like, Ah, Mark's a funny man. I don't know if he can pull it off, even though I know he does. It's just like that thing in my head where. I think that I also have those biases that I previously thought were stupid. Um, I don't know if you guys ever feel like that watching like, oh, The Rock can't do villains anymore. You know, things like that. Oh, yeah, totally. There's like certain um, roles where I'm just like, I don't know if I could picture him in this or, you know, you know, mm-hmm. picture her in this. To to the comedy strength, though, I think that plays an important role in like this film, though. And oh, I yeah. think that like his comedic timing in his performances, especially with the awkwardness, mm-hmm. really pays off and delivers. Like, yeah, I love it. And my, my last word, um, up until this viewing, I had no clue that was Patrick Bryce as Aaron. Mm-hmm. No fucking clue. So. Would you add it to your collection? Oh, 100%. I wish there was a beautiful like shout factory release of this or something or like at least a vinegar syndrome like come on it i don't think there would be a vinegar syndrome of creep but i i think um scare factory would be you think scare factory would pick this up i think vinegar syndrome would pick this up vinegar syndrome i could see that yeah Yeah, they they just uh they they picked up we're all going to the world's fair um something in the dirt they picked up a lot of Joel Patricus's films too, which are kind of weird and yeah, like those low are budget. Way more indie though. This, this was five hundred dollars. Yeah, this is less than five hundred dollars. <laughs> this is like that's true. This is the I ultimate was, indie movie. This yeah. has more of a pedigree with. Uh, I mean, in in the world of horror, does it not? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it does now. Yeah, but you know, at the time it was being made, I don't think it was made in the context of it being you know as 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 loved as it. Like I'm sure they they were confident in their work, but like, I don't know if they were expecting the outcome that they got. Um, Vinegar syndrome is doing some amazing things. They are. It's not a diss. They They, are. They have upped their game from like five years ago. Tenfold. Mm -hmm. 
yeah. and use our promo code of Red Rum. That's OF Red Rum. Ian, Ghost of Ian, The Phantom Menace. Talk to me about Creep. Give me your full thoughts. Some <laughs> really bad videos not on there. <laughs> Give me your full thoughts. And you were just complaining uh, about the would Jewish you stuff. Add it to your collection. <laughs> Your ancestors would be very upset with you. <laughs> I have no idea what you guys are talking about right now. Um, or would I watch it Netflix? Would I add it to my collection? Absolutely, 100%. I am surprised that I actually don't own this film. And it's probably with the lack of the, um, the Blu-ray. Um, totally. Uh, especially with the second film. Like, why not just make an easy two-pack? Mm-hmm. If you're going to make like a shitter Blu-ray set, just creep one and two. Easy done. Boom, boom. You know, do free you think, money. Do you think that this would make a cool two-pack with like, what's that one company? It's like Vestin? Ultra? Vest- Vestrin Media? Vestrin? They oh. make a lot of combo packs mm-hmm. in one CD. Is that like the black with, um, cases with the V yeah. in the line? Okay, yeah. Yeah. I noticed that they make a lot of combo packs. So having like a creep, and they have really cool artwork on their combo packs too. So having like a, a really cool combo pack of this would be dope for yeah. them. Anyway, honestly, not a massive fan of combo packs. I'm um, not either. Especially I, if it's like a one and two or like mm-hmm. the same series. Um, do you I, think that but do you think that there's some combo packs that make more sense just because they complement each other so well? Like it, it almost feels like one movie. I mean, Romeo Must Die and Cradle to the Grave. That's probably the best combo pack I own. I mean, we were I all own. thinking that. but <laughs> <laughs> The best combo pack I own. Absolutely. That um, I got a I got a pretty cool combo pack like five years or ten years ago maybe it was uh the losers and smoke and aces that's an interesting ooh, combo yeah pack. yeah yeah, no, it, yeah it's an fun. interesting combo yeah. pack that's interesting I love the losers that's yes. an amazing film it, Jeffrey no Dean Morgan is like so good in that yes Chris Evans yes fantastic mm-hmm. fantastic early comic book oh fuck I want to watch that now <sighs> I watch it every year um. <laughs> Where were, weird, what were we talking weird about? flex, but uh, uh, <laughs> we're talking about uh, the 2014 was, uh, film Creep. He was big and, in DC, by the way. He played the comedian in uh, Watchmen, right? He, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, he's also what's his face in Supernatural in the Walking Dead show and stuff too. Oh, he plays uh, Sam and Dean's dad in Supernatural. Wow. Big DC guy. Um. But anyways, Creep, 2014. <laughs> um, I absolutely love this film. It's fantastic in a lot of ways. It's found footage, so you have me there. Um, it's an indie film, but it's like really, really well done. And Brendan mentioned something about uh, like most of it being improv. Yeah. Did you have like a percentage, or did you just say most of it? Uh, so there's I couldn't find one. I was I was trying to find like a shooting script or something, but um from what i could understand reading it was just mark and patrick just fucking going off each other and just letting the scenes happen and i'm it, i couldn't find out if the peach fuzz song was written or improvised but it is credited at the end as being written by someone um, so so i don't know so from some interviews i've read Mark was saying that, um, like the quote unquote, the Bible of the script, which is just like the, I guess, the general outline, I guess, mm-hmm. is so you mean like or that's this what he happens, called it. And this happens. Yeah. This. Okay. Yeah, exactly. That's what he was calling it is, um, like 
the only things that they really had that they had to go off of was like driving in a car t- to this spot, um, wow. getting out and sharing a moment and, you know, things like that. But then like all the actual dialogue was pretty much improvised. See, that's the kind of filmmaking I would like to do. That is amazing. That's it's almost full improv. Um, you know, and I- you can tell like it it feels very very authentic and like, it like, feels... like two people who don't know each other exactly and um it's i mean everyone knows the movie's called creep everyone knows going in it you're gonna it's gonna have something to do with someone who's creepy and you just keep getting these dialogue and like these moments from um what's his name mark yeah mark duplass and um it just he just keeps amping up the creepiness and you're like where is this gonna go how far is this dude gonna go and you really just don't know um and i i like that about this film it's um it's it's one of the main things i like about this film it's you really don't know where he's gonna go if it's gonna be an aggressive creepy guy or if he's just gonna be some sort of like uh stalker weirdo i think patrick's character is a good foil for for mark's like being able to play off of him too like mark shows incredible range as far as this being completely improvised but patrick doesn't have a lot of dialogue so um He's kind of like, he's yes-anding the whole thing. Exactly. And he's almost like just connecting his next sequence, his next performance together and just going off of him. Um, I just think it's really impressive, like the acting that he does. And uh, yeah, it's it's really good. So you would add it to your collection, though, Ian? 100%. 100%. Okay. Um, I second that. I actually added, um, I've already added it to my collection. I have it on DVD. If there was a Blu-ray, I would absolutely buy it. Um, it's a really good found footage film. All right, so let's get into the film structure. Um, do you guys think that this is an effective found footage film, despite or like a horror one specifically, despite there being any violence or gore throughout the film? Like, what makes it effective as a horror film, even though there's pretty much no violence or gore except for like the last couple minutes of the movie? Hmm. Brennan. Ah, damn it. I was pointing at Ian. Oh, Ian, go. <laughs> um, I think it's more of a suspense. It um, leaves you wondering where this story is going to go, how far he's going to go. Um, and I think a really smart thing that it does is it makes the the cameraman, the victim, actually kind of smart. And he's doing things that aren't very tropey to get himself killed. Um, and also the transitions, those are amazing. Like the one where he's carrying the, the bags up the, the hill, um, Mm -hmm. uh, scooping out the grave and then it zooms out from the TV and he's like, oh yeah. So anyways, this is where I'm at. I thought that was great. A great, uh, misdirection. Can we talk about that for a second? So we're going to skip around in this conversation because this is, <laughs> this is just going to be a conversation. No, 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 no. It's nothing he's said or did. Um, this is a conversational kind of episode. So speaking on that part of the plot, after he leaves Mark's house or what's his name in the movie? I'm sorry. Joseph. Joseph. When he leaves Joseph's house, why do you think he's still filming himself? I would... 
I would say because he doesn't start filming himself until he, if I'm correct, he starts filming himself when he has that dream about Joseph after leaving Joseph's house. Right? Was it? No, I think that was the second video. The 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 bags getting carried up the hill was the second video, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So I think when he escaped is when he just started sending him the the videos and the items. You know, no, I mean uh Aaron started filming himself at home when he woke up from the nightmare that he had about still being at Joseph's place. Gotcha. Yeah, because the first time when he's back at home, it's the 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 night oh, when vision he when he's himself. in bed. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And I, I so, would think the only reason that he was doing that was to document the effect that this person still had on him. And I mean, he basically finds out at the end of this that it was all just one big farce. Um, so I think that it's kind of more of a coping mechanism so that eventually maybe he could because obviously it goes the route where he calls the police. So it could get to the point where he's using it as evidence for the emotional, uh, the punitive damages that, that um, Joseph is causing him. That's fair. Yeah. Cause this is the first viewing where I actually questioned that where I was like, why is he filming himself? Like, well, I mean, well, he lives he, alone and he's filming himself on the way up actually. Now that I think about it, that's true. That's true. I think there was something in the ad where he said, film everything. Mm. Maybe that gets mentioned in the second movie, maybe the first movie. I, I don't know why. I that's feel, you know what? I feel like I remember that. I think it is a second movie thing, but I, I could also be wrong. Well, I skipped you, Brendan, because we kind of trailed off into the last or to the next question. But um, I'm curious on your thoughts. Like, what do you think? Like, how do you think this movie holds up as far as being an effective horror movie without having the gore? Or violence at all, like it. It pretty much, it, like it has more comedy elements, if anything, than <laughs> like like horror and gore. Uh, so I definitely think uh, it's uh, a few things. One, it's in in part to uh, Mark Duplass's acting, because that man could sell a fish water. I mean, he's just he's so like look at the Peach Fuzz song, for example. I. I'm curious, and I was trying to look it up to see if anyone had any other ideas. But do you think like he makes a new Peach Fuzz song every time? Because it obviously sounded like he was just fucking going off the top of his dome for that. If it so, did take multiple takes, I could see him just like trying, trying different, trying, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's just this whole we know that something's wrong, and. Aaron knows that something is wrong and Aaron's not leaving. Um, th there are so many points where obviously if I were in Aaron's shoes, I would leave. Um, it's just this whole cat and mouse game that they're playing. Every time, uh, every time Joseph tells you something 30 minutes later, he's like, I have to come clean about what I told you half an hour ago. You know, it's with the peach fuzz thing, with with just so much stuff. And do you th do you think that uh the uh when he tells Aaron to shut the camera off and all he does is you know put the lid over it? Do you think that that rape story was improvised? Because ima imagine 
you're in Patrick Bryce's shoes and you guys have just been going back and forth all day. And he's like, hey, uh, Aaron, sit down, but shut the camera off. I have to tell you something. And so you as as Patrick Bryce are like, okay, let's see where this goes. And then he's like, so basically I raped my wife. <laughs> I mean, I would assume it was improvised considering like he said, like all the dialogue was pretty much improvised. Ian, you were going to say something though. Oh, no, I was he answered my question. I was going to ask if he meant um, the actors improvising or the characters improvising. I think he was probably improvising. And I bet if the camera was on Patrick, because they were able to make any face they wanted at Mm -hmm. that point because the camera was covered. I bet Patrick was like, damn, dude, you're killing it right now. Like, holy shit. Keep going, keep going, keep going. going. Um, 100%. Yeah. And that's one of the most chilling scenes. And I think for the fact that you don't get to see anything because we've all seen Mark Duplass's fucking crazy face just like up close and personal. And now you get the most fucked up thing that we've heard him say and we don't get to see his face. Yeah. He he always crosses a line and then brings it back in like a convincing way to keep Patrick around mm-hmm. or, or keep yeah. Aaron around. Like almost like he snaps himself like he he pushes himself to craziness and then he realizes like he's being too crazy to a normal person so he tries to act like a normal person again he's like no 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 i i realize i'm doing this i realize i'm being crazy and so it it kind of carries the audience and aaron along with them and it's it's very convincing it doesn't talk about a lot of um just a transition into his like his backstory but he does make a lot of subtle references to his father in the film Mm -hmm. um a lot of which uh like he did tubby time with his dad and things like that it kind of seems like he may had a a rough upbringing but um in in reference to his wife i think we could all agree that that's fake right like he was never married he doesn't have a wife. I mean, Angela was his sister. Right. Yeah. But um, anything he, he he raped his sister. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was my other question. Honestly. That was that was probably what happened. Or if we're going off the dad thing and the, the mask was his dad's, then he raped his dad. His dad raped him. Raped him. Oh. Yeah. yeah. He raped his dad. <laughs> and then my dad came He's home. He's just raping everyone. <laughs> and then my dad okay. came home in the morning. He was like, How was your night, son? And I was like, I slept like a bug. <laughs> so he's been doing this for a long time as well and his his sister knows that something's up with him do you think that his sister knows how involved he is like as far as like killing people or do you just think that like how much do you think she knows I think very little it's another mystery ain't it isn't it um if you if you take it at face value, I mean, she. It's hinted there that she knows what he's capable of. I mean, she tells him to leave the house immediately. Yeah. So. She's got to know. She's got to know. I could see them bringing the sister plot into the third movie. Mm. That would be interesting. Like the family knows. Yeah, or at least the sister. Yeah. Um, do you guys have any particular standout scenes or moments that you, Oh, what if the sister is like just as bad as him? That would be good. If not worse. Well, it's played by the girl from the league too. 
Yeah, who's his wife, I believe. Oh, is that his? Oh, okay. It, I didn't know that What's her married. last name? Ailstorm or something? I was looking at it earlier. Yeah, it's Katie Aselton, I think. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's his wife. Interesting. Um, yeah. I I have a standout scene, but Ian, if you want to go first, uh, no, go ahead. Uh, so actually, I I meant to I meant to screenshot it earlier. Fuck, I didn't do it, did I? Oh, what a piece of shit! I am such a dirty piece of shit. Um, <laughs> it's uh, I think the standout <laughs> scene is when uh, uh, Joseph mails. Aaron, I keep wanting to say Mark and Patrick. God, yeah, me too. Um, when when he gets mailed the big fragile box that has the three things inside of it: the knife, the the video, and the the stuffed, stuffed animal. Um, in that little monologue that um Joseph gives about how wolves are kind of misunderstood, they want to love but they don't know how to show it. That's probably like one of the most beautiful things I think I've ever heard in a horror film. For some reason, I've always, I guess, just missed that quote. And hearing it this time, I was like, oh, shit. I was like, that's like, you know, eighth grader deep. But like, it's still like, that's really cool. What about you, Ian? This is the first time I've heard that quote, um, or at least paid attention to it. Um, yeah, that's, that is, that's, that's wonderful. Um, my favorite moment is when he's got the peach fuzz on. It's at the end of the the old trip there. And um, he's like huddled up on the door. Mm. And you really are in suspense in this moment. And you don't know what, what how he's going to approach this. And um, yeah, I think the, the suspense uh, is delivered much more than than the payoff but i think it's worth it i think it's worth the ride yeah yeah i think the whole journey is even better than the end because the end was satisfying but it it was the journey it was the buildup of tension and stuff dude the first time you watch this film on that scene with him standing at the door is like a real nail biter moment. Like you're like, holy shit, it's going down now. Like, what is gonna happen? Yeah. And it's a scary image too. Like that mask is frightening in certain contexts. Like, yeah, that scene is nuts. Um, he's not talking. He's just nodding his head, and you're like, fuck. Yeah, he's gonna die. We There's, know. We all know he's gonna die. And he, yeah, in a way, they can kind of take. Well, here I'll I'll talk about some scenes first. So, um, I love the diner scene. And when Patrick's talking about pissing his pants, that shit is hilarious. Um, and just like how he's opening up to that. And he's like, yeah, I was laying on the ground covered in my own piss with an alarm, an alarm. sound going off. <laughs> <laughs> like if that was improvised, that was, that was good. And um, just what they share at that moment about him saying, oh yeah, the pancakes are what you come here for. And then he catches him in the lie. He's like, I thought you said the pancakes were good. Um, and then I like the scene before that when he scares him for the first time and he's like, no, I, the, I saw for a minute there, like, you wanted to kill me. Like, I saw the animal in you, Patrick, or Aaron, I saw the animal in you. And like that whole conversation leading down, it's kind of like him almost like acknowledging that there's someone like him and other people, I guess. And like, 
he's bonding with them. Like he likes, he gets off on bonding with his victims before he kills them, um, which is interesting for a killer and relatable and relatable. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I don't know. I think this movie is very special because it blends comedy, dark comedy, and um, just suspense really well. I think that the second movie is better than the first movie, in my yeah. opinion. Um, but I think it's a good double feature. I think this movie is an excellent found footage film, even though it doesn't have a lot of gore and, you know, violence and things like that. I think it should be watched by any horror fan. Um, is there anything you guys want to cover before we dip? Brennan? Uh, so I'm going to put a theory out there. His sister doesn't exist. So who's the girl? There was no girl, I think. I think it was a voice changer because Here when he's Mr. having... Fantastic, out of the woodwork, here we go, baby! No, because th- this, would, this would be the only way that any of this makes sense because the only way. he's on the phone with Angela in the bathroom and towards the end of the conversation, her voice starts to distort. And if you're watching it with subtitles on, it says voice starts distorting. Yeah. And the voice goes from it being a human voice to like some strange, weird robot sounding thing. And when you lose service, voices don't sound like that. So it wasn't a service issue. He didn't put a service blocker on the phone. So I think that there was a second phone in his pocket. And because he mentioned the name Angela so much when uh, Aaron takes his phone and goes into the bathroom. The first name he searches for is Angela. And thankfully a in the contacts is up really high. So he'll be able to find it super quickly. He'll call it. And obviously, obviously Joseph fucking doses himself. Like, you know, like the thing in a princess bride where he's like, I've been taking little bits of poison mm-hmm. every day to make sure that I'm immune to this. Like obviously to Benadryl. <laughs> yeah, dude, you fucking you fucking Betty's up every day. Hold on, hold on. I like where you're going with this, and let me tell you why. Because after he kills Aaron, right? Mm-hmm. He literally calls the next dude over in Aaron's house. He's in Aaron's house, so he's inviting this dude over, and he's going to pretend like Aaron's house is his house. So he could have been doing that at this new at this other place. Mm-hmm. So he killed the last person, took the dude's phone. He could have been, he was obviously going by another name. So maybe you're right. Maybe that person that was calling this person's phone was the person that he just killed. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Dude, I kind of want to go back and at the end of the movie, when they show all the names on the videotapes, I kind of want to see if any of them say, um, Joseph. I want to see if any of them say Joseph, because if that's oh. the case, he took the dude's phone, and maybe, just maybe, um, I mean, he could have been rummaging through this dude's house. Okay, now I'm getting way carried away, but now you know what it's like to live in my head. <laughs> exactly, dude. You might be onto something with that. I think it was something. It wasn't the worst reach. I actually appreciate that reach. <laughs> um, Ian, you got anything for us before we depart? No. I think we're good. Yeah, I forgot we got post working in tonight, guys. <laughs> yeah, you know, right, we can well, just wrap it up. Yo, I walked probably 13 miles today at work. 
it was a short episode today, folks. I'm sorry we couldn't stay with Creep longer. But um, 40 minutes. I think we got our point across. Um, it is a shorter movie. It's only an hour and 17-ish minutes. Um, I think we all talked about what we love about the film. But let's get into our uh, final thoughts and ratings here. Ian, we're going to shoot it over to you. Final thoughts and ratings for Creep 2014. The dialogue in this film is so awkward and and satisfying and well done and um near perfect the it's a fantastic indie film and there's a lot to love and i feel like you can show this to anyone the majority audience and they can be satisfied um i don't think i know someone that didn't like this movie uh to be honest i don't even know what it is on uh letterbox what the what the um standing is there with the rating um but my rating is going to be a heart and four stars four stars and a heart for four stars and a heart Brendan, final thoughts and rating for creep 2014 um it has a 3.4 just looked it up uh i'm a creep i'm a weirdo what the hell am i doing here I don't belong here. Um, this movie really missed out on op- on, an op- on an opportunity to spend ten thousand bucks to uh, to use that song for the end credits. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for that, it's going to go down five stars. So it for me will be a four with a heart. I love this movie. I, the, this is this is a, a an all around fantastic film. I think this movie is definitely more impactful on your first viewing, but it doesn't. The charm never goes away with each view, with each viewing. Um, I love this film. I own this film. Um, I'm going to give it a four stars and a heart as well. So it gets a four stars and a heart oh, on, no. on the ruminations <laughs> of Red Rum Letterbox. And with that being said, with this really hasty episode of creep guys we're just guys and gals and everything in between we're just getting everyone in between sorry we're just getting started we're back you know it's it's been a couple weeks let us warm up all right let's warm up but we're gonna take a quick break and bring you a advertisement from our (laughs) sponsor at the ruminations radio network 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 oh god it hurts What's wrong, buddy? Nothing. That's the name of our podcast. Do you think anyone will know it's a reference to what some random SWAT team member said in that one scene in Terminator 2 after getting nailed in the back with the gas canister? Probably not, but they will get a regular dose of two lifelong gamer buddies on either side of the Pacific Ocean, delivering their view of video games with a retro emphasis every other week. That's cool. Welcome back to ruminations of red rum the horror podcast on the ruminations radio network it's time for america's favorite game and soon the world's so what's in the box a game where we read the description of a film off of letterboxd.com or the letterboxd app my contestants, co-hosts rather, have to guess what the film is based on the description of the film. After that, they are going to guess the 
rating of the film. I don't like any of this. And I hate this. Should we all go shirts off right now? No, and no, I hate this. The rating Tarp, of the film. Tarps off, boys. Tarps and off. guess the decade it was made in. They get one point if they guess within point three of the rating on Letterboxd and another point if they guess the decade of the film. Gentlemen, are you ready? Can I just say, uh, I'm turning this into a drinking game now. Every time I get an answer wrong, I'll drink. And every time I get an answer right, I'll drink. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> do you still have both peers on you? I do not. I ha- Should mm-hmm. I get a new one? You should, real quick. Okay. No, 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 no. It'll take me 30 seconds. Okay, go. Okay. Oh, shit. Oh, fuck. All right, I got two drinks. All right, so you have a Pacifico and a Roni? I do. Okay, so for every answer you get wrong, you take two drinks of the Roni. Okay. And for every answer you get right, you take three sips of the Pacifico. Okay. Okay. Okay, number one. Sorry if you have to edit edit that out to cut time. Mitch, I apologize. Number one. There's a party every day, a movie every night, and all the junk food you can eat. What more can a kid want except to get out? In the near future, drive-in theaters are turned into concentration camps for the undesirable and unemployed. The prisoners don't really care to escape because they are fed up and they have a place to live, which is, in most cases, probably better than the outside. Crabs and his girlfriend, Carmen, are put into the camp, and all Krabs wants to do is escape. Uh, this has to be Escape from L.A. If it's not, like... <laughs> that's not Escape from L.A. Um, I don't know two, what is. <laughs> 2.9, and I'm going to get my... Oh, uh, shit. You, you don't I'm, know Krabs Pliskin? <laughs> I'd watch it, honestly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my Pacifico in my hand because that's how confident I am with a 2.9. Okay, um, we got 2.9 from Brendan. That's a great guess. This sounds like a an absolute shitter film, but it's 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 on the rim of of the three. I'm going to go 2.7. So 2.7 and I'm sorry, Brendan, what did you say? 2.9. Brendan gets the point. It is at 3.2. Take those swigs. Guess Ah. the decade. 80s. 90s. 90s. I was going to go 90s. I'm going to get my Corona in my hand now. Um. (laughs) I'm going to go 90s. Should have stuck with the 80s. It is, in fact, the 80s. Take the swigs. Number two. The residents of a small Alaskan town find themselves under attack by a flying reptile known in medieval mythology as a wyvern. It has thawed from its ancient slumber by melting ice caps caused by global warming. So, wyvern. Um, a wyvern. That's funny. Two point seven. Just kidding. Um, man, anything that has a dragon, it can't be good. 
I don't think there's any yeah no <laughs> movie, but it, it has a cult following. Other than Lord of uh not yeah Lord of the Rings that, yeah um but whatever this movie he's talking about has a cult following you know that yeah and it takes place in Alaska so it's not Rain of Fire that's a banger um this is not a banger. oh it's called the release of Michael's mom. Michael's mom. <laughs> I'm sorry, Michael. That is such a burn. Wow. <laughs> Michael's mom, the wyvern. Um, <laughs> it's wyvern. But... <laughs> <laughs> wyvern and Shirley. Uh, Brennan, what did well, you say? Uh, 2.7. 2.7? I'm going to go... Can I tell you what five. I... I, I originally wanted to go with 2.4, but I'm trying to be I'm safe. 2.42. Yeah, I'm trying to be safe with a 2.7. 2.5. Ian gets the point at 2.3. Oh. Guess the decade. 2000s. Alaska wasn't um, made a state until 1999. Yeah, 2000, 2001, 1999, or around that cusp. So We won it in the War of 9-11. We won. Jesus. yeah it's gotta be it's, uh, I'm gonna say 90s so we have 90s and 2000s yep. wait hold on hold on 90s <laughs> Ian gets the second point it is 2009 why why Wyver- 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 2009 directed by Stephen Monroe and by the way I forgot to mention the first movie it is called Dead End Drive-In Oh, the 1986 film directed by Brian Trenchard Smith. Oh, I'm That's wearing amazing. a Corona hat, by the way. It is now two to one, Ian. Corona extra. Number three. <coughs> Melanie Beck is the only surviving victim of a killer rapist who wears a Freddy Krueger-esque mask and claw. Despite having seen the killer's face, Beck has blocked it from her memory. Becoming suicidal, she tries to kill herself on the beach, but is saved by Axel, another rapist sleazeball, who keeps her locked in his hotel room. All this builds to a mind-blowing conclusion. What the fuck movies did you pick? Jesus, where did you find these? The theme is movies no one's ever heard of. This sounds like Wyvern Riders Wyvern. 2. <laughs> Escape from Alaska. Um, with, uh, with, what was the guy's name? Cage Pliskin? Crab Pliskin. Crab Pliskin. I'm going to go 2.4. Man, that's a good guess. I think this is higher. I'm going to go 2. Six. I don't, not, hit, I don't think it hit threes. I'm not putting a beer in my hand because I'm very unconfident with my answer. Brendan gets a point. Yeah. Ian gets the double point. Oh. It is 2.6. Wait, so d- does that mean I have to drink both at the same time? Yes, it does. Oh, sure. So that being said, it is now two to four. Ian's lead. Guess That's the decade. Disgusting. Um. Man, I had... What was the title again? I'm not telling you yet. <laughs> oh, shit, right. It was uh, Wyvern Riders 2. <laughs> Escape from Alaska. Escape from Crab Pliskin. <laughs> Crab Pliskin. Um, this episode's going off the rails. 80s. <laughs> yes. it's, it 80s. has to be 80s. This sounds 80s. like the most 80s 
yeah. title ever. <laughs> is it 280s? <laughs> yeah. Incorrect. It is the 1990 film, right on the cusp, gentlemen, right on the cusp. 1990 film, Night Killer, directed by Bruno Mattei and Claudio Fragasso. It's an Italian film. Yeah, it sounded like an Italian film. Uh, one of those. Final question. Yeah, I'm not even. Next question. (laughs) This looks insane, though. This dude's like a monster-looking thing. Mm -hmm. Capable of making biomechanical weapons out of human flesh, alien parasites grotesquely invade the Earth, turning their hosts into maniacal killers who seek and destroy each other to the bloody death. And yes, it's also a human love story even though the budding romantics are infested with slimy, tumor-like globules. Wait, what was the rating on the last movie? 2.6. 2.6. This has to be... We all know it. <laughs> Crab Pliskin 3, Escape from Alaska Island. He gets his own spinoff. <laughs> yeah. But this is the third in the series. <laughs> Um, Kyle, you look like a Nicolas Cage in Renfield right now. Thank you. You yes. look. Um, I'm gonna say. <laughs> Two point. Can you repeat the seven. first sentence for me, please. Absolutely. Capable of making biomechanical weapons out of human flesh, alien parasites grotesquely invade the Earth, turning their hosts into maniacal killers who seek and destroy each other to the bloody death. And yes, it's also a human it's love story, okay. even though the budding romantics are infested with slimy tumor-like globules. That was one fucking sentence. I love it. Oh, this movie's amazing. It really five, was five one stars. sentence. It's like it, it has really? like four commas in it. Yeah. It really it's really one sentence. Yeah, you know, I'm no mathematician, but I feel like that's a run-on sentence. Um I'm gonna go two point four. I think it hits two point one or two point seven. Uh, I I think what did I say? I think I said two point six, two point six or two point five. Either or. Give me some you are both away. incorrect. It is at three point one. Guess the decade. What? Uh, what movie did you say it was again? That what movie? It was <sighs> Snake. Uh, sorry, Crab uh, Crabless in three. three. Escape from Al- uh, Alaska Island. Escape from Alaska Islands. 2001. Um, uh, guess the decade. Could be 80s. Could be 90s. Could be the 2010s. Could be the 1920s. 10s. <laughs> <laughs> we are stretching this episode. <laughs> Give us 20 minutes. No, I've it. just had a I've had a lot to drink, and this is the most fun I've had in this game in a very long time. Uh, see, yeah, I want to I want to say 2010s to make it interesting, but I also want to say 90s because that's what I think it is. Since they're using like gobble gook, like <laughs> things, no, the, the, globule, yeah, yeah that globules. How dare they use a medical word? Um, it it could be anywhere from like the blob, which is like 1940, 50, 60. 
to like 80s. I'm going to say 80s. I'm going to go 80s. Yeah. It is the 2005 film Meatball Machine, directed by oh Yudai Yamaguchi and Junichi Yam. I'm sorry, <laughs> Yamamoto. I have this DVD or the, this Blu-ray. It's sitting on my. That's that's unfortunate. It's sitting right next to my TV. Can I just ask, like, how you came upon these films for your picks? Yeah, I'm just just looking through. No rhyme or reason. No rhyme or reason. That's fair. That's fair. Just looking through. This has been another episode of Ruminations of Red Rum, the tubby time of the Ruminations Radio Uh, Network. If you like what we're doing here, please subscribe. Give us a rating. iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcast fix. Follow us on Twitter at of Red Rum. That's OF Red Rum. And go check out ruminationsradionetwork.com where you can find information on us as well as many other podcasts on the network. I've been your host, the Slick Back Cadillac with a K, Kyle. And with me, I have the stretchy one, Mr. Fantastic himself, Brennan Jesus. Uh, the OF does not stand for OnlyFans and Hail Ratma. And also with us, the Phantom Menace, the Paranormal One, Ian Batuis. As my final request, um, please go out and watch um, Crab Pliskin 3, Escape from the Alaskan Islands 2001 remake. And if you can't find that one, go ahead and give Creep 2014 a watch. Today's going to be a good day, people. Stay spooky.